0: Episode 109 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the American singer-songwriter and record producer Jodie Watley. In the late 1970s and early 1980s, Jodie was one-third of the R&B funk band Shalamar, whose many international hits included I Can Make You Feel Good, A Night to Remember and There It Is. She also had a string of solo hits between 1987 and 1998. But Jodie has another big claim to fame as the only female solo artist to have been part of Band Aid, whose classic charity record, Do They Know It's Christmas, is one of the best-selling singles ever. This interview with Jodie took place 30 years on from that, in late 2014, and she shared with me her unique recollections. To what extent does it feel to you like 30 years since then?
1: It doesn't feel like 30 years for one. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) That's a lifetime, isn't it? It doesn't seem that long to me. I'm the type of person I never really think about time until I'm asked about time. But obviously a very monumental experience for me at the time and as time has gone on. You know, when I'm asked about it, it's such an honor to know that, you know, wow, I was really a part of that.
0: And what can you tell us of your life and career at that point?
1: I just moved to London. I left uh, Shalimar, of which I am an original and founding member of. Mm -hmm. And um, I was hanging out there a lot with my um, best friend at the time, Jermaine Stewart, who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, had a successful solo career of his own. He's deceased now, but he... I wanted to try something new with my life, so I was living there in the U.K. and just trying to uh, figure out what I was going to do next and to get some peace and joy and just kind of chill out. And um, Phonogram Records wanted to sign me to a solo deal. They were the label that actually released Band-Aid. So I got a call from their head of PR at the time, Mariela Sustop yeah um she became a personality in her own right yeah Um,
0: with a deep uh, voice
1: (laughs) yes i love her voice (laughs) Uh, i love that kind of um they call it in the golden era of hollywood like abroad like you know cigarettes and gin or something we were uh wonderful friends for a time so i got the call from her and she said jody you know there's this, this charity thing going Bob Geldof wants you to be a part of it and really had no idea the magnitude of it. It's just mm. this was something that I should do and um, it'll be quite fun is what she said. And she didn't really say all of the artists that would be there. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I got there. And, and uh, I think everyone I've read uh, through the years, none of us really knew that it would be everything that it came to be.
0: And when you and the other Band-Aid artists were first gathered in the studio, how many did you recognize?
1: All of them. Really? (laughs) Yeah, right away, because, I mean, obviously, everyone at that time was, you know, Duran Duran, Boy George, uh, even Marilyn. You know, I met Marilyn before through Jermaine Stewart. I mean, everybody, it was like one after the next. It was probably, you know, it's like a high school class photo if you had like the most popular people all in one photo in one place at one time you know like I said I had to pinch myself it's like oh my gosh you know I'm being American and you know upon I mean you know Bono it just it was one after the next.
0: Because you and Kool and the gang were the only American participants and you were one of only four female artists in the band aid lineup. How did you feel about that?
1: You know I never really thought about that ratio with us being the only you know women Bananarama and I just I saw Siobhan uh, out dancing as a, a popular modern disco here called Giorgio's, and I, I hadn't seen her since and I'd always say you know oh, they were so mean to me you know banana they were they just smoked cigarettes all day and they blow smoke my way and um and she said, well, Jodie, we were hungover. We've been out dancing all night. So we had a laugh about it. And cool in the Gang, I had done shows with, uh, mm. Shalimar had done shows with at the time, but I didn't really know them. Know them. Also, I'm not like a big social butterfly, big talker. So I did a lot of people watching that day, <laughs> too.
0: <laughs> Do you know if there were supposed to be more women in the lineup?
1: I believe that they'd asked day. I think I read that somewhere along the way, but she's the only other woman that I knew that had been asked, perhaps.
0: And were there any other male stars due to turn up that day who failed to show?
1: No, I I know. Ultimately, Paul McCartney is on it, but he wasn't there at the session.
0: And Phil Collins as um,
1: well. And Phil Collins. Mm-hmm.
0: And did you befriend any of the other artists during the recording?
1: I did. Uh, George Michael. He was a, a big. Gallimard fan, and so you know we were talking about music, and you know I'm just love him, love Mm. him, and so we were talking, and so I said, you know, if I get a solo deal, you know, would you do a duet with me? And he said yes, and so fast forward when I made my actual solo debut in America in '87 and we stayed in touch and you know i said well i got the deal you know are you still going to sing with me and he was a man of his word so he we did a duet on my first album uh, called learn to say no that was produced by bernard edwards and befriended paul paul young um Mm. was really nice to me that day john taylor you know flirted me up. but i went out with him a few times and after that Mm-hmm.
0: gosh every woman yeah. in the world wanted to go out with him then didn't they
1: yeah <laughs> and that was very interesting we went to um a royal premiere there's two pictures of it somewhere and um there would be girls king girls you know obviously camped in front of this flat all the time so it was very interesting for me to experience that type of level of Fame with you know, like I said, the team girl. I mean, he couldn't go anywhere. So, wow. um, so that was that was an adventure, and uh, that's pretty much that's pretty much it.
0: What were your experiences of Bob Geldof?
1: He was really, you know, obviously running around and making sure everything was going smoothly with the recording that day. I know that you know because they were also uh, filming and there were photo sessions going on throughout the day. So he was very you know, thank you for for doing this and you know, that sort of thing. But then, you know, he he was really busy but he was just so happy and, and grateful to, to all of us for for being there and um so I'm I'm glad that I I, I did it obviously.
0: Yeah, what did you think of the song?
1: Actually I, I like the song. I, I, th- I like to song. I guess the one maybe problematic line that people have said is, you know, "Thank God it's them instead of you." Hmm. But I think what the the overall sentiment of it uh, is very thoughtful, and I, I like the the music of it. Kind of has a, a haunting quality. It had a little bit of a groove to it, and so I. And I think as time has gone on. 'Cause it's basically in some way it's a Christmas song but it, it, it really holds up. So I, I liked the song. And I liked the voices that were chosen to be lead lines, you know, oh. um, boy jo- You know, I, I think they picked the right fellows to on the lines that they sang and delivered in the song as well.
0: But were you not disappointed that there were no female solos?
1: I never thought about it. Never thought about it.
0: During the recording, how much were people's thoughts on the starving Africans that you were all trying to raise money for?
1: Everybody talked about it because actually also during the course of the day, the documentary that had shown on uh, the BBC the previous night or two uh, before, we all watched it. And so in the midst of, you know, because a lot of them knew each other, uh, the bands, and they were having a laugh and this and that but there were moments where it was quite somber and um, you know the reason why we were recording the song um, it was very prevalent.
0: Did anything really memorable happen during the recording whether happy or sad that you'll never forget?
1: I mean the the whole experience there's not one I I think toward the end where uh, the chorus and we're all singing together I know I got choked up singing that and just being in the moment, you know, powerful lyric, you know, feed the world, let them know it's Christmas time. Again, and singing in this superstar chorus and I'm thinking I was born in Chicago and you here I am. it just yeah. So I mean the event as a whole that I for sure toward the end when we were recording that last chorus and everybody's in the room singing at the top of their lungs. That was very profound
0: yeah I wondered maybe when you first heard it back or watched the video back were you were you very moved did you, did you get very emotional
1: oh yeah yeah you know again the whole thing and arriving um, because I don't even remember if I knew there would be camera crews there and I remember getting out of the car so seeing the video and how everybody is arriving and uh, boom, but like the bells when it, it comes in. It gives me every time, actually, oh, you know, nice. around this type of time of year. Um, it still ha- I still get chilled on.
0: Yeah. And um, did you receive any kind of gift from Bob and Midge for taking part?
1: I don't remember. What that's a it? good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. I don't remember. How much did it mean
0: to you that the record went to number one in the charts that Christmas?
1: it was exciting then it was on the front page of all the newspapers and like I said I was just I was in shock like oh my god this is really I mean you know i would never been a part of something that big ever you know and um seeing it on the news it was like dominating the news I don't think that even with the re-recordings that they've done I think in that time and place in that era the impact was so strong, and that will never happen again. So the time was right for it, and the, the you know the public it, it just took over, you know. And um, you know, and again, for me to be a part of music history like that, I'm very grateful. It's not bad for the resume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Were some artists envious of the fact that you got to do Band Aid and they didn't? Who cares? Good answer. (laughs) I just wondered if you'd experienced any jealousy from anybody.
1: Yeah, but whatever.
0: And what's been the response both then and since from members of the public to your participation in Band-Aid? Have people come up to you and said, I was so proud of you in that or whatever?
1: Yeah, yeah, still to this day and even I posted yesterday on my Facebook, I posted a picture with uh, Bananarama and I and Francis Rossi from Status Quo. And each year I'll do, you know, a post something. As always, I was so proud of you. When I saw you, it was like seeing a family member. You know, I love this song. And then they'll say, you know, all of the artists that were their favorites. And But everybody, you know, especially, you know, here in America, is like, oh my God, that's, you know, Jody Watley. And um, that was really amazing and surprising to see me be a part of it and um, so i still get great reaction and, and feedback from it every year all the time
0: jody why were you not involved in usa for africa or live aid
1: i was asked to be in live aid and could not make the the flight i think my daughter had taken ill or something and i couldn't make the flight but i was asked to be a part of um Live Aid, and that's something that to this day is like a little bit a part of that too. But you know, mm-hmm. my daughter's number one, so that wasn't meant. But USA for Africa probably was more politics going into the organization of that, you know. So that was a, a different beast, so to speak. But actually, it, that for me it, it was cooler to be a part of Band Aid. Do they know it's Christmas? Mm-hmm. Because it was it was so unexpected. It was first. And, you know, there's always something special about being a part of something that is the catalyst for other things.
0: Yeah, Bob Geldof's about to assemble another Band-Aid. How much does that interest you, and will you be listening out for it?
1: I'll be listening out for it. I actually was asked to be a part of it, but I have a show in Philadelphia Saturday. So, was unable to, to make the trip. I know they have a couple, it's, you know, primarily younger contemporary artists, but they did reach out to some of the original artists who were in the, you know, in the first one, since it's the 30 year. And so, I think Sir Bob Geldof, he continues to do the good work with, you know, trying to raise money and create awareness. And I, I was reading an interview yesterday, and it's true, it's like he's not doesn't know like the impact because maybe people just watch it on youtube and then that's it and like i said the great thing about the original was the the time of it and people would actually go out and buy the single you know the mm. physical copy and um you know these days it just the experience of buying records isn't quite the same and especially with younger people but i hope that it does really well of course
0: you must be gutted not to be able to take part, aren't you?
1: Yeah, but, you know, duty calls and, yeah. you know, already booked. But, um, yeah, that would be special. I, I, but, again, you know, I'm always embedded in history to be a part of the first. So that's, that's pretty good. Too.
0: How often have you listened back to the Band-Aid signal or watched the video uh, since the recording? And, and what thoughts go through your head when you do listen and watch it?
1: Once a year, you know, when I post it, I always post it on my website and Facebook and Twitter. You know, I don't just go to YouTube and click the link. I'll actually watch it because it's, it's a good memory. It's on my holiday playlist, on my iPod of, of songs. It's like listening back to, I feel, with my songs or with my songs. It's like that song, you know proud and I feel a great feeling with everything that I've done and continue to do but you know again because of the meaning and the reason for do they know it's Christmas Is something that doesn't get old it's something that you know I'm not jaded about well yeah I did that and you know moving on you know and life has gone on and careers have gone on but it's like there's the moment of pause um, and it raised you know it did help a lot of people it wasn't yeah. like millions of dollars were raised and then someone went off and bought a yacht or something
0: yeah. <laughs> and and have you ever sung it yourself in in one of your own concerts as, as a solo performance
1: i have not i don't know that that would be right to do
0: yeah. <laughs> you never fancied it
1: i right. never thought about it because it's yeah. such an entity in itself you know
0: and how impressed have your children been about your involvement in band-aid
1: you know, I've never asked them. I'll, I will have to ask that question. They just look, I'm just mom, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't I'm
1: a diva mom. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they, they, they don't really never been that involved with those things, you know.
0: What would you say Band-Aid did to help boost your profile and career?
1: I don't know. I think that, you know, I mean, subsequently my dealing with uh, phonogram, it, it didn't happen. They kind of fell apart. You know, I continued to to live in London for two more years after Do They Know It's Christmas, and, and I met some really cool people, Bruce Woolley from the Buggles, and, you know, we wrote some songs together. I got to collaborate with the guy from The Art of Noise before they became mm-hmm. Art of Noise, like Gary Langan. And so creatively, I think that it definitely exposed me to other writers and producers that perhaps... I mean, even the George Michael thing, that's probably one of the biggest things that came from it because, I mean, you know, for him to... You know, in fact, when I... uh, It was MCA Records at the time when I said, you know, and and George Michael is going to do a duet with me. They didn't believe me. They said, well, how... You're not even signed yet. And I said, I know, I know, but we did, you know, from Band-Aid and everyone knew that I had done that. So that was something great that came through that. Uh, John Taylor actually was the person that was, you know, you should work with Bernard, you know, because Bernard had been working with him, um, Uh power station. And um, I met Bernard uh, when I was in Shalimar. We did shows together um, as well. But it was John Taylor that said, you should collaborate, you know, with Bernard Edwards. So Bernard Edwards produced, you know, three songs on my debut, and, Uh and he agreed to it because uh, I would go to the studio uh, with John while they were doing uh, some recordings for Power So, you know, we, we connected. So uh, in those ways, it was very timely as well.
0: And where does Band-Aid rank in terms of your career highlights, Jodie?
1: Well, winning the Grammy Award for Best New Artist will always be number one, and so uh, Band-Aid would be number two mm. because it is, you know, it, I mean, it's music history, but, you know, in a way, you know, winning Best New Artist was a bit of history. I mean, it was presented to me by Little Richard, and, you know, that was an experience in itself. And, you know, to, to come out of a group, not every singer from a group is able to go on and, and make a name for themselves as a solo artist and to do something that transcends the group. And for me, it was like the first thing that I did was bigger than Shalimar, and that was Band-Aid. And so even in ways that I probably couldn't see, I know that it was a big uh, boost for me.
0: To set the scene a bit more, 1984 was also the year the world lost your godfather, Jackie Wilson. What effect did that have on you?
1: Well, that and my my father had passed away the year before, and that was really the life changer for me. And both, I think, um, you know, it's like gone too soon, really. And it... The change was it made me look at my own life like, well, while I'm here, you know, not that I wasn't making the most of it with Shalmar, but to be happy and to be, you know, fulfilled and to be valued and respected and those things. And so both, I I guess, changed my life forever in how I live it and, um, you know, being selfish with my time personally and professionally
0: hadn't you made your showbiz debut with jackie wilson
1: yeah i did mm-hmm. i was a little girl and we were living in um, north carolina at the time i believe Daddy was friends with my mom and dad and that's mm. how um he came to be in my life wow. and so we would go to his show so i'd be in the wings in this particular time he must have seen you know a light in my eye he knew i danced and so he came and he, he brought me, and I was a shy kid too, but he brought me on stage. I just, they say, uh, never work with kids and animals. And <laughs> <laughs> so I went for it and I brought the house down and I, I'll never forget it. But I was so enthralled with him. He, he mm. is one of the greatest entertainers of all time and so unheralded in many ways. And, you know, I would like to see... You know, I, uh, they just did. You know, um, James Brown and um, you know Don Ray Charles, obviously. Mm. But I think that would be a wonderful biopic. I mean, obviously Elvis borrowed quite heavily. Michael Jackson, you know, always cited Uncle Jackie as a influence. I mean, he he was magnetic.
0: Mm. It's interesting because had he survived, he might have been in the USA for Africa project, mightn't he?
1: Yeah, 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 wouldn't that have been something?
0: How glad are you to have started out in the music business when you did, or would you have preferred to have started today?
1: Oh, no, I'm I'm glad I started when I did, uh, that's for sure, even with the struggles and the ups and downs and, you know, the paying the dues, and I think there's so much more character to starting a career when I did, you know even you know the fact that people valued music more than they do i mean I, I do like social media i do i do like the fact that you can connect directly with your fans and those things but you know radio was different and in the diversity of i mean you know when my solo debut came out i was on the charts with such a variety of artists from michael jackson to sting to u2 to feel you know was mixture um and everybody was high quality so it it means you can't ever come close to that you know these days it just uh so i'm yeah definitely glad that i came out when i did
0: well a big issue in the british media these days is the sexualizing of young attractive female pop stars through their appearance their lyrics and even their dance moves what are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on that
1: i think that there's validity in that you know i think that there's always been women in music i mean you can even go back and look at provocative images of the three degrees or shaka or i mean you know
0: Blondie.
1: It, blondie yeah and so it's always been you know sexuality and all of those things but i think that the difference was there was music credible quality music actual songs to back it up it wasn't just sex in your face sort of thing mm. and there was still a mystique to to how it was done now it's just there's no mystique in many cases and um, it is a bit troubling sometimes and I wonder well what's being mass fed to young people whether it's over sexualization of little girls to prison culture to you know a lot of the, the, the imagery and, and lyrics that you know they're inundated with, and so then that is where you know hopefully there are some good parents doing their good parental due diligence, you know, instilling proper values. But you know, sex is always sold as big business, and now with blogs and everything, I just think that it has become a bit tawdry.
0: <laughs> Have your children followed you into the music business?
1: No, my son is in college studying business and finance, and uh, my daughter just graduated college, and she has a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. You know, her interests are in um, multimedia, graphic design, editing, um, really trippy visuals and stuff like that. And so they're both also grounded people. In fact, you know, people often say, how have you been able to raise two children who were young adults and you'd never even really see them much I've done a couple things with them when they were little but kind of really let them develop and you know not be show business children.
0: Show business generally appears to be only really interested in youth nowadays how frustrating do you find that?
1: I think it's always been that way it's always been youth going back to I mean the Beatles when they came out or Jimi Hendrix or The Mamas in the... I mean, you know, it's always been that way. I think, though, that back then, you never knew how old anyone was. They never wrote 25-year-old James Brown. It's like I never knew how old anybody was. They Hmm. were just artists. So once they started, you know, adding age to it, you know, I think maybe in the media it becomes more of a thing. But I think in film, music, television, uh, I just think now... For instance, when Tina Turner made her research, I'll use her as an example. I don't think that a veteran woman or male could have that type of breakthrough again because they wouldn't be embraced the same. So there was always youth, but then you'd still have your veteran artist status. Oh, you know, it, it wasn't like a bad thing, it yeah. always was the, the music, and a part of, uh, with Paradise, as I always say, it's in the music, because really, you know, it should be about that, but I, you know, I, I get it, you know, the, the youth, are they buy the products, they buy, you know, but at the same time, so do adults, but sometimes we're given, uh, we're given less options, as if, you know, we're not the ones that will buy the 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 music or the t-shirt or the concert ticket or or whatnot. So it's just balance, I think, um, is what's missing to me.
0: Have you ever recorded any Christmas songs yourself?
1: I have. I did um, a jazzy rendition of um, Christmas Time is Here, one of my favorite Christmas songs, but I've never released it commercially. I (laughs) usually post and everybody is beautiful it's it's like a warm by the fireside version very relaxing and then i wrote an original christmas song called like a holiday basically like wouldn't it be nice if, if every day could be like a holiday you know mm. people feel so much joy I, I would like to do a full-length uh record i just you know that probably will be the next thing that i i do
0: may we know roughly where you live and what your home is like
1: I live in the the Beverly Hills area, and um, it's loving. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a it's a loving home, and always has been. My kids growing up, their friends would say this is a peaceful house. Cause mm-hmm. I'm always burning candles, and it's um it's an old older Spanish uh, home and with mm-hmm. characters, very lived in, and um, just eclectic and. It's a loving home. But my song sanctuary from paradise was written about, you know, that's what my home is, sanctuary.
0: And how much evidence of your career is there in your home, and do you have any Band-Aid souvenirs that you treasure?
1: No, there are probably more pictures around of my children through various okay. stages, but I don't have any of my gold and platinum plaques. And my Grammy Award is obscured by pictures of my kids most that you know graduation pictures baby pictures and whatnot it's on the I have a baby grand piano
0: and who are your most famous friends
1: I mean I know a lot of people but I would all most of my friends are not really famous they're regular working class I call okay. them ride or die friends like they knew me before I was famous they have been with me on the bus and would be with me if I was on the bus again <laughs>
0: And to what extent have you remained in contact with any of the other Band-Aid artists?
1: I keep in touch with Boy George, I keep in touch uh, with George Michael, those are the the, the
0: two. And and obviously (laughs) um, it's a pity that you weren't able to come back and do the latest Band-Aid, but would you like there to be a a reunion of the originals one day?
1: Yes, and I'm not big on reunions, but yes, I've I've softened my view on those types of things, but yes I, I think it would be cool even if we're all just getting together for you know laughs and a cocktail or something um yeah
0: what are your ambitions at this stage in your life
1: always number one to be healthy and happy to continue to you know do work that i'm proud of to be authentic and true to it um it's not easy to have maintained that through the decades that i've been an artist and um you know, to still want to do quality work and, um, you know, hope to finish my memoir at some point.
0: What will you be calling your memoir and will it have any shocks in it?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely have some shocks in it. And I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question because the title is uh, always, you know, I don't know, (laughs) maybe Ball Buster. I don't know. Hmm. I'm joking, you know. Obviously, I have a great sense of humor, I think, in life you got to have a sense of humor is one of the keys, I think, to living you know a good life. you got
0: to be able to laugh. I was just <laughs> thinking, with Shalimar in mind, how about a life to remember?
1: A life to remember. I
0: like that, actually. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I'll take 20%, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and presumably, I think I heard you on a YouTube clip saying that it would be very difficult for Shalimar ever to be reunited. Is that still the case?
1: No. No, I've said that probably five or six seven years ago I don't remember but mm. you know like I said I actually we did uh, get together with Babyface in the 90s um, in recent years I've pitched tours to uh, Howard and Jeffrey for especially in America because in the UK uh, you know you guys got to see us at our you know friends during that era which was uh, more successful there than it was, I mean it did well here too but there it was you know more so. And so, yeah, I've, you know, definitely reached out to, to them. I'm now the the owner of the Shalomar Trademark and so, mm. you know, I would like to see it. Um, you know, in my show, I have uh, two young guys who come out, a young singer, since it's all youth-based and he can still hit the notes and he can dance and twirl around and so we have a great time with it on uh, the new show which, you know, was inspired by Paradise, but for Uh, That type of uh, reunion of the Classic Three, I think that it would make a lot of fans happy. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm open to that. You know, they've done some shows in the U.K., and they've used some false advertising with my picture, which didn't make me happy. And, you know, I've had to have some legal conversations about that, too, because that's not... Passing off is never good. So, yeah, it it would be nice to finally do it right.
0: And it seems you're working as hard as ever now. I mean, what do you do the rest of the time, or is there no other time?
1: Well, I like to stay active. Um, You know, I work out, run, cook, you know, take care of myself, do a bit of yoga. You know, it's like I feel age is nothing but a number. I, I still feel, actually feel in many ways better than I did when I was in my 20s. You know, and I still have the exuberance and the um, the desire, you know, to, to live life and, and everything and to have fun with it. If you're not having fun with it, you know, even, you know, with regard to the Shalomar thing, you know, I hope it would be fun. You know, business is business and I'm very business oriented, you know, but we're all here for however long we're here. So, you know, let's enjoy it.
0: So do you want to live to a ripe old age?
1: Yep. until I tell my kids, well, that's it, kids. Put my best stilettos and throw me off a bridge. But, yeah. (laughs) 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 That's why I take care of myself, because, yeah, I hope it's, you know, the 95-year-old that can still twirl and Mm -hmm. do the splits and, you know, still fabulous and um, all with a great spirit. Um, So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Is there a point where you're going to say, Enough now, I'm going to retreat from the limelight.
1: I will take that as it comes. You know, the way that I've worked, because I've never... I'm always active, but it's never, like, the grind of just being out there, out there, out there, you know, and taking breaks. But, you know, I would say, do I want to be on stage when I'm 70? If I'm, you know, maybe, maybe not. It, It would depend, you know, if I start to feel ridiculous... Mm. then, you know, (laughs) then no, you won't see me. But, you know, I think as long as you can do it and you sound great and you're not doing the old person vibrato, uh, I call it, (laughs) where it's like, okay, you know, they don't even sound the same anymore. But if you still enjoy it, like I said, being on tour with, on the Legends, I mean, Mm. Candy, I mean, you know, she's like really in her 40s, but, I think she's 70, but you wouldn't, when you see her and watch her perform, you know, it's ages out the window, it's the music, and she has a young spirit, and as long as you can do it and do it well and have fun with it, I think artists should do it, and, you know, you'll have your hardcore fans who'll want to see it, who aren't interested in going to see whoever is the Justin Bieber of the moment.
0: And how satisfied are you with your career so far?
1: I'm I'm blessed, you know. You know, there's always something to complain about, but who cares? Uh, (laughs) Really, to be honest, the dreams that I had as a little girl, I've long since exceeded them. And so I've had to create new dreams for myself. And so I'm I'm very proud to be a part of a successful group with one journey, to be a part of Band-Aid, to go on and have my own successful solo career and to still make music that does well, not just surviving, but thriving and um, you know as a songwriter an entrepreneur and so yeah I you know I mean there's always more you can always do better you know and that is the quest to keep building upon that but um, but yeah
0: how would you like to be remembered after you leave this planet
1: oh I don't know Um, for my children she was a great mom the best ever that's what my kids tell me you're the best mom in the whole wide world and for me, nothing means more than that. And, you know, musically, she did it her way. She kept it real fabulous. I don't know, you know, just always good vibes, uh, quality artist, uh real artist, and not just someone out here hanging in the wind.
0: Hmm. And she was part of Band-Aid.
1: And she was a part of Band-Aid, yes. Hmm. History, and she was a part of music history. Yeah. Grammy I... Award-winning Band-Aid singer. Jody Watley. <laughs> <laughs>